The following is a presentation of Remnant. Hey, this is Jeremiah from Remnant Church. We want you to be encouraged and filled with hope through your experience as you listen in. This life can be complicated, even confusing, but it's our hope that you catch a glimpse of God's unconditional love for you and His purpose for your life. Thanks for listening. You're listening to a message from Pastor Jeremiah Vick. All right, good morning. Man, that's so good. Thanks, Jim and Nancy. They're making chicken dinners for us. Man, that's, like Jerry said, it's, that's pretty cool. It's a, yeah, very cool. So don't forget, after the service, if you guys are hungry, you can pick up some lunch and help out a great organization. So again, that, you know, that's an organization we help out all the time. And I'm actually very glad that this is a Sunday. You know, God always works stuff out like that, but I'm very glad this is the Sunday that, that uh, BBI was here sharing about what they're doing because it gives us an opportunity to serve. And today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about service, what it means to, to be a servant. And so, um, had a great Easter weekend. I hope you did too. Hope that uh, this wasn't just an experience that, that sticks with you. Um, just on Easter weekend during the holiday, but that it's something that, that kind of just you, you take with you into the year, and uh, you're excited about that all the time. Um, but, you know, God has called us to really do some, um, some hard things for him. He's called us to do some things that kind of take us out of our comfort zone and, and into places where, um, you know, sometimes... It even hurts a little bit for us to, to, um, to help others and to give to others. And so um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, we are in John chapter 13. So if you're kind of tracking with us as we work our way through the Gospel of John in our Facing Jesus series, we, uh, we started out um, right before uh, Easter weekend. Uh, we were in chapter 12 with Palm Sunday. Then we jumped uh, to the Easter, uh, to the, the story, uh, the Passion Week um, and so you guys got, kind of got the full uh, effect of the Easter story in chapters uh, 19 and 20, actually 18, 19, and 20. Um, and, and now we are jumping back just a little bit, and we're going to be talking about some things that happened in that week before Jesus went to the cross. And so uh, chapters 13 through 18 is that week before Christ went to the cross. And so that's where we're going to spend the next few weeks, and, uh, and hopefully um, my prayer is that God has a lot of really good stuff for us in this. And so um, this morning, as I mentioned, we are in John chapter 13. So you guys can grab your Bibles, flip over to John 13. It's going to be on the screen for you as well. We have our, um, our uh, information for uh, social media. If you guys are, want to uh, be posting that and um, tweeting that stuff out, we just encourage you to do that because we want people to know what we're talking about here at Remnant. So um, title of my message is not just my feet, and there's a reason for that. Let me pray, and then we'll jump into the scripture and really discover what God has for us. So would you pray with me? God, as we spend time today just in your word, Father, first of all, we know that every time we open your word that you speak to us, God, that you, um, you not only speak to us, you challenge us, you bring us to a place where you're asking us to, to make a decision. And, and God, I pray that this morning would be no different. That is, we're exposed to your truth, Father. I pray that uh, our hearts would respond to that. 
that we would be ready, God, to do whatever you're calling us to do. Um, and that, Father, that our, our service towards you, Father, would be something that, that brings you honor, uh, brings praise to your name. And God, I pray that as we dig into this passage, God, that um, uh, as I share the message you've laid on my heart, Father, I pray that my words will be your words this morning. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So John 13, let's start reading with verse 1. And, uh, and it'll kind of explain what's happening here, but we'll get into a little bit of detail as we go along. So John 13, starting with verse 1, says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I want to just pause right there for a moment and say how much I love this statement about Jesus he loved his disciples, and he lo- still loved them. I, you know, they're going to go through a pretty tough weekend. We just talked about all the, um, the things that happened, what transpired on uh, that weekend, and, and to know that their Savior loves them. I mean, I don't even think these guys knew how deeply Jesus loved them, but I love that this is in this gospel. It was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, which, by the way, was one of those disciples Jesus loved. He was the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel, he had around him. I'm going to pause here for a moment and just talk about this particular act that Jesus is doing. So um, back in the culture in those days, uh, people wore sandals and some people went barefoot. And so the uh, courteous thing to do, part of the Mediterranean culture was when someone would come to your home, your servant would wash their feet, okay? And so the task of washing someone's feet was like the lowest of low tasks, okay? That was, uh, you know, they didn't have toilets back then, but I guess scrubbing the toilet would be comparable to, uh, to this job because people walked up and down these dusty, dirty streets, and this was like the one time that they would get their feet clean, right? And so you could imagine how gross that job is. Now, some people already have like this, you know, kind of a funky feeling when it comes to feet anyway. Does anybody kind of have that thing where, you know, feet... Someone puts their feet too close to you, you're like, eh, please back off, right? Okay, so if you already kind of have that feeling in you, then you're already getting a sense of what a lowly task this is. Um, but, but this is what's happening. Jesus is assuming the lowest place of servanthood in the home when he begins to wash his disciples' feet. I want you to understand that because Peter is about to react to what Jesus is doing, and I want you to kind of have a framework for why Peter is responding in this way. So here's Jesus performing this lowly task. And it says in verse 6, When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, I want you to understand something about the statement that Peter makes here, okay? So in the Greek, we know that certain words are emphasized based on the way that they are placed and, and so every word in this sentence that Peter speaks is emphasized. In other words, Peter is saying, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I mean, he's basically saying, that this, this cannot happen. Jesus replied, you don't understand 
now what I'm doing, but soon you will. I love Jesus' statement there because it kind of describes the disciples in general. It's like whenever Jesus is about to teach them something or he's about to show them something with great spiritual meaning, they're kind of like, what's going on, right? And so in this case, Jesus is approaching Peter. Now, by the way, you can kind of picture it this way because Peter's probably seated down the row and, and so there's other disciples that have been um, had their feet washed before him. And I just imagine Peter, he's watching Jesus approach him. He's like watching him wash the disciples' feet as he's coming towards him. And you can just imagine what's going through Peter's mind. I mean, he's just like, oh, James, dude, your feet are so nasty, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's thinking, Jesus is touching these guys' feet and he's, pretty soon he's going to be touching mine. I imagine he started even feeling a little bit self-conscious about his own feet and saying, man, I really wish I hadn't stepped in that earlier today. I mean, you could just imagine all the emotions and things that are rising up in Peter. And so when Jesus gets to him, he's just like, is this really going to happen, Jesus? Are you really going to do this? And Jesus says in his usual way, you don't get it, Peter. You don't quite understand what's going on here. So I want to talk about three things that are happening in this story, okay? And, and as we talk about each one of these things, we're going to draw out some principles that God has for us. And so the first thing I want to talk about is Jesus' example of servanthood. Jesus' example of servanthood. So there's a couple of things that are really interesting about the way Jesus is serving his disciples right now. I mean, first, first off, understand the task that Jesus is doing, okay, is like the lowest of low. So there's a couple things we can draw out of Jesus' example of being a servant. And the first is that no task was beneath him. So there's no task that's beneath Jesus, okay? He is performing the lowest of low acts. And so therefore, there's no depth of servanthood that Jesus would not sink to. I want you to think about this with me for a moment because is there a task of servanthood that is beneath you? Is there, is there a task of serving somebody else that you would say, yeah, that's, that's beneath me? Now, maybe you wouldn't come out and actually say that, but um, let me just maybe think of an example. Um, this happens all the time. I will see um, people that <clears throat> are digging through the dumpsters and trying to get recyclables, right? And so they're down, you know, getting in a dumpster and they're getting dirty. Have you ever stopped and just asked somebody, do you need some help? Can I, can I get in the dumpster with you and help you get some of those recyclables? Let me go ahead and answer that for you. No, you've never done that. You've never done that. So, so that would be a task that is beneath you. Am I right? And, and I'm, I'm including myself in that, okay? I don't want you to think that I'm saying you guys are terrible people because the truth is there are certain tasks that are beneath us. There are certain things that we would not do that would serve somebody else. And Jesus is performing a task that is the lowliest one in his day. Therefore, no task is beneath him. The second thing I notice about this is that he's served his enemies as well. So don't forget that this passage begins by saying in that group of followers of Jesus was one guy named Judas. And it actually just comes straight out and says, this is the guy that's going to betray Jesus. Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. And what do you think is happening? I know what's happening. Jesus is washing people's feet, so he's got Matthew's feet clean. He's got John's feet clean, James' feet clean. He comes to Judas, ah, I'm going to skip you, move on, right? No, that's not what happens. Jesus didn't skip Judas because 
he was going to betray him. No, Jesus washed Judas' feet. And I want you guys to get that because there are things that we are not willing to do for our enemies that Jesus is willing to do for us. And don't, don't forget that we were at one time enemies of God. Super important for us to understand that. See, here's the thing, guys. Without Jesus' example, we cannot understand God's definition of a servant. Because Jesus sets this example, all of a sudden, the definition of a servant becomes much deeper. We have a greater understanding of what it really means to serve people because we know that according to Jesus, there's no task that's too low for us to perform in our service to others. And we know that our enemies, those that we don't like, don't want to be around, maybe they've hurt us, those people are just as worthy of our service as our friends, our loved ones. Now, if that doesn't in some way kind of rock your reality, let's, let's discover a little bit more about this. Um, Jesus states this in Matthew 20, verses 26 and 27. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. So Jesus does something. This, by the way, this is not the only time Jesus does this, but Jesus takes what we understand about leadership and being a servant, and he kind of flips it and turns it on its head. And our thinking, our way of thinking has to be turned upside down in order for us to understand what it means to be a servant like Jesus. So we have to take what we've already believed to be a servant. We have to kind of, you know, take the things that we've just kind of learned through life about what it means to serve somebody, and we really have to turn that on its head because Jesus takes it to a complete extreme. In fact, that was his goal. That was Jesus' reason for being here. It tells us in, in, uh, in verse 28 in the same passage, Matthew 20, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So understand that Jesus' purpose of coming here on earth is all about him becoming a servant. He was here to serve, but then the ultimate act of service was going to the cross, giving his life for us. So Jesus sets the ultimate example of what it means to be a servant. But there's more that God has for us in this passage. So look at verse 8. Here's Peter's reaction. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, well then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. So get Peter's reaction. First, Peter's like, no, no, I am opposed to this. I'm not going along with this, Jesus. And then Jesus is like, well... If, if I can't wash your feet, then you really can't be a part of what I'm doing. You can't belong to me. And then Jesus, or Peter's attitude changes, and all of a sudden he's like, well, well, not just my feet, Lord. You know, in that case, you know, you can give me an entire bath, right? He starts, you know, taking his, his own robe off, right? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm all in, right? I love how Peter just kind of like, he's, he's thinking something, and he just blurts it out. That's not always a good thing, my friends. Have you, have you done that before? You, you had a thought in your mind and you just, 
kind of blurted it out and you were like, oh man, I wish I could somehow take that back. I had a friend in college who did that quite a bit. His name was Casey. And uh, one particular time, I think I might have shared this story with you. Uh, we had a water balloon launcher in our dorm and we were launching <clears throat> oranges across the way to the dorm, across the, the, the quad. And, and as we were launching, we were doing this out of our dorm window and we were trying to shoot the oranges into one of the windows across the way. Finally, we were successful and an orange goes right into the window of the dorm. And we didn't really think we would do that. And so all of a sudden we're like, oh no, it actually happened, right? So we turned the lights off in our dorm room, right? And so the guy that's directly across from us in that room like looks out the window and he sees the only room with the light off. And so he makes his way over to our dorm, right? And he brings his dorm supervisor with him and our dorm supervisor, they all come up to our room. We had the light back on by this time. So they get in the room, and this guy is just so mad, right? And he's just like pacing the floor back and forth, and he's, he's like, there's orange, or there's lemon all over my, my room. And he's like, who's going to clean that up? And he was so mad, he's just fuming, and he kept saying that over and over again. Who's going to clean up all this lemon? It's just everywhere. And finally, my friend Casey's like, it was an orange. I'm like, oh, dude, come on. We almost got away with it. Just kind of blurted it out there. Sometimes we say things without thinking. Sometimes, you know, it's like in our minds and we, it just comes out. And I think this is kind of characteristic of Peter. I mean, this is like the thing he does in his whole life. And so at this moment, Peter's expressing, no, there's, I will not be a part of this. I'm not going to be a part of this. And Jesus is like, okay, then fine. You can't be a part of anything. And he's like, okay, I changed my mind. I want this. I want this more than anything. Jesus replied, and now he explains what's going on. He says, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Referencing Judas there. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And this is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. So this comes to the second aspect of the story that I want to talk about, and that's Jesus' invitation to cleansing. Here's Jesus' invitation to cleansing. And there's two parts to this. The first part is a belonging. What does he tell Peter? He says, if I don't clean your feet, you don't belong to me. So there's this part of a belonging. And then the second part, which is a process. He explains to them how a person that's had a bath doesn't need to go take a bath again, but they simply need to wash their feet. Look at verse 8. Let's talk about this idea of belonging. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Now, why did Jesus say that to Peter? I mean, that seems kind of like a strict thing, right? I mean, he's just performing a, you know, a polite courtesy by washing Peter's feet. So why would Jesus make such a big deal about it and say, hey, if I, if I can't wash your feet, then you don't belong to me? Because Jesus was talking about something much, much more than just cleaning Peter's feet. Jesus was talking about a cleansing that he offers each and every one of us. And he's basically saying to all of his followers, if you don't accept my cleansing, you don't have any part in what I'm doing. See, without receiving the cleansing that Jesus offers, we cannot have a relationship with God. 
Guys, this is, this is crucial for us to understand because as followers of Jesus or as those of us who might think we're followers of Jesus, we need to understand that we cannot truly be a disciple of Jesus. We cannot be a follower of his unless we have experienced his cleansing. In fact, that's the only way that we have access to God is through the cleansing that Jesus offers. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the sin that each and every one of us have, our, our own willingness to do wrong, the guilt, the shame that results from that, all of that that we would call unclean in our lives. Jesus wants to clean us. He wants to take all of that away. And he says, if you don't allow me to cleanse you, then you don't belong to me. You're not a part of my family if you have not experienced my cleansing. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. As a matter of fact, in the verse before that, he, he, he kind of has a list of, of different people that are pretty disreputable. He, he talks about thieves, murderers, sexual deviants. And then he says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what's he saying here? He's like, some of you... We're in a pretty bad place when Jesus offered his cleansing to you. But because you accepted that invitation to cleansing, now you hold this position of, of right standing before God. And let me just say this. Don't fool yourself into thinking that your right standing with God has anything to do with your own character or behavior. Don't allow yourself to believe that. Because it is only because of Jesus' righteousness. It's only because of what Jesus did for you that gives you access to God, that allows you to be a part of the family of God. And if you have any doubt, Titus 3.5 tells us, He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. I love this. It says, he saved us, but it was not because of anything that we've done. It was not because of any right thing, any kind of merit that we could, uh, we could perform. I like what it says in, in the paraphrase of the message. It says, he saved us from all of that. Remember that stuff that Paul was talking about? He, he says, he saved us from all of that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and, he, and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Guys, this description is the process by which we move from sin and guilt into righteousness, into holiness. And if you've never experienced that, if you have never experienced Jesus' forgiveness and his cleansing, just like Jesus told Peter, you have no part with me. You don't belong to me if you've never experienced this cleansing. So guys, I couldn't, I couldn't urge you with any more sincerity today. Accept Jesus' cleansing. Turn your back on your sin and accept the cleansing that he offers. It's the only way that we can be a part of the family of God. So Jesus talks about this belonging, but then he also talks about this process. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, 
A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. What's Jesus talking about here? He's basically saying, if you have experienced this cleansing, if you have accepted my invitation to cleansing, there's still a necessary cleansing that needs to take place. See, as you kind of like walk your way through life, your feet are going to get dirty, just like the disciples that gathered there for that meal. You're going to be stepping in some stuff that you're not proud of. You're going to be walking into some pretty scummy places. And Jesus is saying, you need to clean your feet. Your feet need to be clean. There is a perpetual cleansing that is vital to our relationship with Jesus as we walk through this life. What I mean by perpetual cleansing, I mean a continuous cleansing. Something that's done repeatedly. What is it that needs to be done repeatedly in our lives in order for us to have clean feet? So the other day I had, had given Jedediah a bath and he was all clean. You know, I, I like when you first get him out of the bathtub and it's like, oh, I like the way he smells, right? In about two hours, I'm not going to like the way he smells. But right now at this moment, he smells like a baby again. He's so clean, right? Got him all dressed. And uh, we went, had gone down to my office and Josiah lo- or Jedediah loves to, to kick his shoes off as soon as he gets down to my office. And, and my office has, has wood flooring, okay? Like from the front all the way to the back, it's wood flooring. And so he kicks his shoes off and he just kind of runs up and down, up and down, up and down. And before long, his little feet are just black on the bottom. I'm, whenever I look at them, I'm just shocked at how black they are. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is there really this much dirt on the floor in this building? And so what do I do? Do I take him home and give him another bath? No, that doesn't make sense, right? I mean, still pretty much a little clean dude, but he's got dirt on his feet, and so I'll sit him down, I'll get the baby wipes. By the way, baby wipes are the greatest invention ever, right? If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't have kids, you have no clue. One day, you're going to say the same thing. Baby wipes are the greatest invention. You use them for absolutely everything, right? I mean, every once in a while, you use them to wipe a baby's butt, but for the most part, you just use them for anything that needs to be cleaned. And so I sat Jetty down, I just like wiped his feet, and he, you know, even he sees the baby wipe after I've wiped his foot, he looks at it and he's like, ew, gross, right? Because he can see the, how dark and, and gross it is. But it reminds me of a continual process that needs to happen in our lives. As a matter of fact, I want to read a verse for you guys. 1 John 1, 9. By the way, this, is, this verse is so often taken out of context, Because people read this verse and they say, oh, this is talking about, you know, when you become a follower of Jesus and Jesus gives you forgiveness. Well, actually, this verse is written to those that have already received Jesus' cleansing. And it says this, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This word here, when it says, if we confess our sins, that is a linear verb, which means it is a continuous action. So you might read it like this. If we continually confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Guys, as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, confession and repentance must be a part of the spiritual rhythm of our lives. This is something that we need to do on a regular basis. 
Just because you've received salvation, just because at one point in your life you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you're like, now I'm a part of God's family. Just because that happened doesn't mean that you don't need to continually go to God and ask him for cleansing, ask him for forgiveness. This, this confession, this, this repentance, this, this is something that's just a regular part of being a follower of Jesus. And that's what Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples. He says, hey guys, you've already received cleansing from me. You've already gotten a good bath. But you know what you need? You need to have your feet washed on a regular basis. Because as you make your way down the path of life, your feet are going to get dirty. You're going to walk in places that you're not proud of. And you need to come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, look at my feet. I seem to have gotten myself into some trouble again. Let this cleansing that Jesus offers us, let it become a regular part of your life. Let's look at verse 12, or yeah, verse 12 of our, of our chapter. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. This is the third thing I want to talk to you about, and that is Jesus' challenge to serve. Here is Jesus' challenge to serve. So Jesus has just, he's just done this act of service, the act of a lowly servant. And each disciple has experienced for themselves this washing of feet. And when he's all done with it, he's all done with the process, he's got a dirty towel, he's got a dirty basin of water, he goes back and sits down again at the table and he's like, guys, you know why I did this? Because I wanted to set an example for you. Now I want you to go and do the same thing to others. There's two parts to this. The first is obedience, doing what Jesus tells us to do. And the second is accountability. So there's two parts to serving others, to this challenge that Jesus has given us to serve. Let's talk about obedience for just a moment. Verses 14 and 15 says, Jesus says, And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. It's not a suggestion. Jesus is saying, I want you to do this. This is something that I'm commissioning you to do. And guys, I truly believe that without this act of obedience, humbling ourselves and serving others, we cannot be a true reflection of Jesus. If we are not doing what Jesus did for his disciples, if we are not serving others, we are not truly reflecting who Christ is. 
But Jesus has actually given us gifts. We've actually been given abilities. We've been given talents to go out and serve others. Look what it says in, in 1 Peter 4.10. Each, each one should use whatever gift he's been given to serve others. So God has supplied us with an arsenal to go out and do acts of service. And he's telling us, use those gifts to serve others. Use the talent that God has given you. Use the abilities that God has given you to serve others. And he talks about this idea of accountability in verse 17. He says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. He's he's saying a couple of things here. He's first of all saying, you may not have known this before, but now you do. All of a sudden, you're accountable to the truth. All of a sudden, you, now that you know the right thing to do, now that you know what God is asking you to do, you really don't have any choice but to do it. You're accountable to the truth. But then he also says, God will bless you for doing them. In other words, in some way, God is going to touch your life because you're serving others. And we don't understand all of what that means, but I guarantee if you are someone in this room that has spent any time serving someone else selflessly, you understand what he's talking about here. Because there is a way that God blesses your life that can't, you can't even describe when you spend your life serving others. And guys, serving others is, is more than just a single act of kindness. It's a lifestyle of seeking opportunities to be Jesus to those around us. So it's not about that single one act that you do. In other words, don't just do something and then cross it off your list. Jesus is not looking for followers who are, you know, keeping records of how good they've been. Well, I served this guy on a Monday, right? Took out the trash on Tuesday, I mean, you know, we could get pretty boastful and proud if we kept track of all the ways that we served others, but that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us to a lifestyle that pursues opportunities to serve. So we are constantly looking for ways to make other people's lives better. Keeping in mind there's no task that's beneath us, and, and Jesus has set the ultimate example for us. Galatians 6, verse 10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Guys, look around you at the people in this room. Have you served someone in this room? This Bible verse is saying, if you're, if you're having trouble looking for someone to serve, look no further than the people that are next to you worshiping God. Start there. But the point is, you need to do something. We need to be serving others. It's part of our growth as a follower of Jesus. It's a part of becoming who we're supposed to be. Becoming who God's created us to be. I love how C.S. Lewis puts this in Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis says, While it may be hard work for an egg to turn into a bird, it would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present. You cannot go 
on indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. We must be hatched or we go bad. We've got to get out. We've got to get moving. We've got to get serving. If we don't, we're not who God's created us to be. And I don't know about you guys, but I would much rather fly than spend my life as an egg. I want to close with this story. So, Jack Kelly, who was a Pulitzer Prize nominee, foreign affairs editor for USA Today for many years, and he tells this story. He says, when we were in the capital of Somalia, I have a picture of him, by the way. When we were in the capital of Somalia in East Africa during a famine, it was so bad, we walked into one village and everybody was dead. There was a stench of death that gets into your hair, gets on your skin, gets on your clothes, and you can't wash it off. He says, we saw this little boy. You could tell that he had worms and was malnourished because his his stomach was protruding. When a child is extremely malnourished, the hair turns a reddish color and the skin becomes wrinkled as though he's 100 years old. Our photographer had a grapefruit which he gave to the boy, but the boy was so weak he didn't have the strength to hold the grapefruit, so he cut it in half and gave one half of it to him. And he picked it up and he looked at us as if to say thanks, and he began to walk towards his village. We walked behind him in a way that he couldn't see us. When he entered the village, there on the ground was a little boy who I thought was dead. His eyes were completely glazed over. It turned out that this was his younger brother. So the older brother kneeled down next to his younger brother and bit off a piece of the grapefruit and chewed it. And then he opened up his younger brother's mouth, put the grapefruit in, and worked his brother's jaw up and down. We learned that the older brother had been doing that for the younger brother for two weeks. A couple of days later, the older brother died of malnutrition. And the younger brother lived. And then Jack Kelly says this. He says, I remember driving home that night thinking, I wonder if this is what Jesus meant when he said, there is no greater love than to lay down your life for somebody else. Guys, think about your life and the way you serve others. Is there anything that you're doing in your life right now that can possibly compare? Is there anything, any way that you're serving someone in your life? Guys, serving others is not convenient. Sometimes serving others is not even fun. Serving others will will always, always inconvenience you. It'll always put you out. It'll always mess up your day. It'll always throw off your schedule. It'll always get your hands dirty. But that doesn't mean we don't do it. Why? Because if we're not doing it, we're not being like Jesus. So just like Jesus challenged his disciples in that upper room, he said, in the same way I'm serving you, I want you to go out and serve others. Guys, this is our challenge as well. This is our commission from our Savior.
We need to be serving others. And I'm not saying that you're going to perform an act of service that will end up giving your life for somebody else, but who knows? I, I do know this, though. I know that Jesus committed the greatest act of service, and he gave his life up for mine. And then Jesus tells us, hey, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to serve me by serving others. Is that something we can do? If it was up to us to do it on our own strength, I guarantee you we couldn't do it. But God has given us the gifting, he's given us the abilities, he's given us the opportunities. Guys, opportunities fall into your lap every single day. I guarantee you, you're gonna walk out of this building today and God is gonna give you an opportunity to serve somebody else. It's going to happen. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna inconvenience yourself and do what Jesus would do? Or are you just gonna go on with your life? God, guys, I believe that if we're really gonna answer the call that Jesus is putting on our hearts today, we're gonna serve. We're gonna serve others. Maybe one way you can serve others before you even leave this building is by giving to BBI so that they can buy a goat for a family that needs it. I mean, how crazy is that that God's, on the day we're talking about serving, God's like, hey guys, here's an opportunity right here in front of you to serve. You're going to find opportunities all week long. Day after day, one after the other, opportunities to be Jesus to the people around you. Don't miss those opportunities. Don't resist those moments to serve like Jesus. Father, this is, this is a big challenge. It's a big challenge for us because it's not comfortable serving others. And if there's one thing we're after in this life, it's comfort. God, I pray that you right now would give us the supernatural ability to give up moments of comfort so that we can serve others. Remind us of the talents that you've already given us, the gifting that we have in our possession to be of service to others. God, help us to respond to Jesus' challenge today. Help us to serve others. Guys, right now in this quiet moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I challenge you to let Jesus speak to your heart. Let Jesus show you places in your life where you need to be serving others. Are you tired of, of living selfishly? Are you tired of just looking after number one? Jesus is calling every single one of us to serve others. Don't let this message get lost. Look for opportunities. Look for ways. Even now in this moment, ask God to show you 
show you some ways to serve others this week. There's somebody out there who doesn't know Jesus and maybe your act of service to them is going to be just what they need to have their heart opened up to our Savior. And wouldn't it be worth it? Wouldn't it be worth it if you knew that God used you to introduce someone else to Jesus simply because you did an act of service for them? Guys, let's develop, let's develop lifestyles of serving. Father, let that be the desire of our, of our hearts to serve others the way you served us, the way you continue to serve us. Thanks, God. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a presentation of Remnant. For more information, visit us at remnantchurchonline.com.